Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. It's really short. That's all right. Normally things are too tall for me. How are you guys? You sound kind of semi. Well, hopefully, hopefully you're good. Hey, before I get started today, I would like to invite up to the stage uh, a friend of the family, um, someone who has been a partner of ours through missionary work uh, in a variety of different ways. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but would you please welcome Jose. Jose, you coming up here? Come on. Now, Jose is a friend that we initially met in Honduras. Um, if you've been around here for a while, you may be aware of our many trips to Honduras doing uh, all sorts of different missionary work. And Jose was one of the, uh, the staff members there who helped to initially receive us and kind of teach us and, and show us um, kind of the ins and outs of everything uh, over the years. Um, he has been up to a lot of crazy different things. And he's here in Cincinnati visiting this week, and we just wanted to give him a chance to just tell you a little bit about what he is doing. How are you? Thank you very much. I am good. I am much better right now. Thank you for your prayers. Um, I am here this week, but I try to return next week to India. I am working in India for the last seven years try to help another missionaries to reach India and how to live there, how to move, how to buy, because it's a very different country, they got different rules, and the Lord, they put me there since 2014, and I tried to get my ticket to return there and keep serving him, and thank you for your prayer. I will ask you to pray for my time there, and also I will be praying for this church to get the opportunity to return to make the mission trip to my country, because every time you go there, it's a blessing for my people there. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good to see you. So, Jose, is, he, just, he gave you the, uh, the Cliff's Notes version. What's interesting is that uh, the United States is the place that launches the most missionaries out into other parts of the world. Um, and so it's, it's sort of a, a common thing for us to go elsewhere and try to reach people for the Lord. Uh, it is not common in Honduras to go to a different country uh, with a different language entirely. So you have learned English um, very well, but then you said, that's not hard enough. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go to Bangladesh and to India. And uh, the Lord put it on Jose's heart to become a missionary himself and to try to pe reach people for the Lord um, in Eastern countries. 
And so um, he's doing some pretty incredible work. Well done. If, if anyone has any questions for him or would like to talk to him after the service, um, he will be out in the lobby after this is over, and uh, he'd love to meet you and say hello. Thank you. Thank you very much. God bless you. All right, all right. Well, if we haven't met before, if you're new around here, my name's Ryan. I'm glad you're here. Uh, today, I would like to talk about, well, for one thing, it's hot in here. I had to turn the fan on. I'm sweating like a Baptist at a Catholic service. I don't really know what that means. It seemed, it seemed funny, though. I don't Anyway. Today I want to talk about uh, a concept that was introduced to me, um, I guess, close to 15 years ago when my wife and I were beginning our journey into Christianity together. Uh, we were invited into a small group, and the purpose of that group, it was called a Purpose Driven Life Group. And so if you have not heard of the Purpose Driven Life um, I don't know how. <laughs> it is one of the best-selling books of all time, written by a pastor named Rick Warren from a church in Saddleback. It's called Saddleback Church in California. Uh, he wrote a book, The Purpose Driven Life. It is one of the, the greatest um, simple books that you can read. Uh, it is separated out into to 40 small devotional-type chapters each one with a different um, kind of thing to focus on to try to get yourself a purpose-filled life. One of the things that, for whatever reason, has stuck with me all these years, and I have to bring myself back to it again and again, uh, is the extra grace required idea. Extra grace required um, is what we would call certain people who just drive you nuts. Um, and you call them EGRs for short. Extra grace required. And people can have all kinds of different EGRs in their life. My EGRs have changed over the years. EGRs for me 15 years ago, um, God's done different things with me. And for whatever reason now, those people that used to drive me bonkers, they don't really bother me now. God's given me a different heart for them. But now I have a new list. <laughs> and it's one that I'm continuing to work on. Um, when I say an extra grace required person, what I'm talking about is uh, somebody that maybe has kind of special emotional needs. Like somebody that you have to walk walk on eggshells around, oh, don't bring that up, oh my gosh, please don't talk, oh, that's going to set her off, that's going to, oh no. But in every church that you go to, every small group, every class you attend, every job you have, every family, there's at least, I would say there's at least one, I would say on average 1.4 EGRs in your family, 
and many at work, school, anywhere else. Um, some of these people may just have strange mannerisms or things that irritate you, uh, poor social skills, whatever it is, but they're, they're an EGR for you. It's an extra grace, like somebody you have to remind yourself, oh my God, Lord, give me the strength to deal with Jim today. Anybody got a Jim? People who annoy us or anger us or frustrate us or test us, the people that just get on your last nerves or they drain your energy from you. Maybe it's the kind of person who is always trying to suck you into their tornado of drama they have going on and pull you into it. Maybe they're the ones who are always stirring something up. There's no possible way to get away from these people. I find it funny because um, we have quite a few different people who over the years, um, they have left our church for one reason or another. Um, and some, some of the time it's because, well, I just, uh, these people were just driving me nuts. I just had to get, <laughs> I just had to get away. When I find out, well, where, where have you been? I haven't seen you in forever. <sighs> I just <sighs> got sick of my small group, so I had to, I had to leave town. <laughs> kind of thing. And we end up getting people back like a year, two years later, and they'd say, I went to those other churches. They, it was even worse. They're a bunch of freaks. It's just everywhere you go. You can't get away from EGR people. But they can also um, be an opportunity for us to grow when I say EGR, an extra grace required person, can you give me any examples of that? What would an example of an EGR person be for you? Let's see, E, oh my gosh, it's so light. Come on, somebody, extra grace required? What, what's your pet peeve? Non-stop talking, the incessant talker, I call this one. The motor mouth. Motor mouth. Who else? Know-it-alls. That one's, that one's running out. We do this one. No personal space, like a close talker. Yeah. Who else? Never wrong. Debbie Downers. Let's see. Mr. Never wrong. Debbie Downer, who else? All about them. What's that? Loud eaters. 
I don't think I've ever been personally offended by that one. <laughs> Loud eaters. How about loud breathers? <laughs> Who else? Negative. Negative. Maybe say critical. What's that? Hypocrites. Hypocrites. Does that have an ES? People who can't spell. Who else? Needy. Needy. Oversharer. Man, I'm a bunch of these. <laughs> what, who else? Narcissistic. One-uppers, yeah, I know. Perpetually sad. Hmm. Yeah, you guys, you guys seem to, you guys seem to get the idea of what an EGR is. <laughs> now, the thing that um, I, I heard somebody say once. I just love this quote. The hardest part about being a Christian is that it's so daily. It's so daily that a lot of us, um, what I see happen over the years as people ad advance spiritually is I see a lot of people who will try to uh, swim in the deeper end of the pool spiritually and they'll try and go to a deeper place with God and they're always like, they're like oh they kind of get to the oh I'm past that that baby stuff uh, I'm moving on to this I, I want to I need to be speaking in tongues and I'm going to be baptized in fire and I'm going to do this and this and this and the Lord is doing this and we're, we're calling on revival. And the thing I can't, I'm like, man, you're still not good at that EGR loving stuff. Like, maybe you need to come back and revisit some of that if you want to stay afloat in the deep end. What it says in James chapter 2 is that mercy triumphs over justice. Mercy triumphs over justice. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Sorry, I said justice. Judgment. That um, a lot of times we'll have that pet peeve person or that EGR person. Maybe you never thought of them as an EGR before, and I would like you to from now on. That, okay, this is somebody I need to give extra grace to because they're a person who seems to um, get me out of my, uh, my Jesus following. Um, to remember that it is mercy that triumphs over judgment. 
Um, this is really hard for me because I have the perfect comeback a lot of times when people say certain things to me that drive me nuts. And I'm like, I just got a zinger just, re- just teed up and ready to go. I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sting them with it. First Peter chapter 3 says, do not repay evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Like don't, don't get even with people. Don't try to have a perfect comeback. Don't stoop to someone's level. Don't avoid someone even because that, that could be the way that you're repaying what you feel like is evil coming to you one of the ways I do it is I just, I, I ignore that person or I uh, avoid them like the plague. Romans chapter 12 says that we are called to bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Bless and do not curse. This verse is a, a definition of that word mercy. And you might say, like, I I don't have anybody really who's persecuting me. I don't have anybody who's persecuting me. Um, Try replacing the word persecute with irritate. Replace persecute with irritate. Who is irritating you? Bless those who irritate you. Bless and do not curse. And what, what is a curse? Under your breath, oh, dear God, not this guy. Lord, help me. Oh, no. Ask God to bless the people who irritate you. This is the thing that, this is really what actual love looks like. Real love doesn't just love somebody who's lovable. That's too easy. Real love loves those who are irritating. Real love is patient with the irritating people of your life. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you would expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting anything back. Are any of you in here just done with ever lending anyone money again? You're just, no, not again. Fool me 11 times. Jesus says, lend to those who are enemies and that you wouldn't ever even expect to be repaid anything. He says, then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Today, um, 
I specifically want to focus in on um, a theme area that I keep seeing um, recently, just with a lot of people I've talked to, and also with myself. It's my number one, um, my number one issue. My my, I guess I would be the EGR for other people in this way, and that is uh, being critical, being overly critical, critical people in your life, people who uh, just constantly have negative things to say about anything that you do, uh, people who shoot down your ideas, people who just always, they just never really have anything nice to say about who you are or what you're doing. Uh, or how you dress. <laughs> I've talked about this before, but uh, I had friends growing up. Two of my best friends um, just hammered me when I was about 16 or 17 years old. Uh, it was a, a couple different things that have stuck with me all these years. One of them said, quit looking at me with that Ryan face. <laughs> And I, I knew immediately the face they were talking about. It's, it's this face. <laughs> Just uh, They would say something they're excited about or an idea they have, something they want to do, somewhere they want to go, and I would give them the Ryan face. Don't look at me with that Ryan face. The other friend said, why are you such a dream crusher? You're always crushing our dreams. Just that any, anything that would come up, it was always, um, well, that's never going to work because da-da-da-da-da. And for, for years, I like to say that it's because I was more practical or I was thinking about it, whatever, in some kind of trying to make excuses for it, but I was crushing dreams. There are critical people who... Um, can possibly wield a significant amount of power over you. Some of you in this room have had the trajectory of your life changed because of someone close to you who is continually critical of things that you wanted to do. Of even uh, I've I've had those experiences where God did something really incredible in my life, and when I tried to share it with someone, they poked holes in it in every possible way, and they tried to explain it away and, and remove the incredible power of what happened and make me doubt if something miraculous took place, make me doubt if God was really moving in any way at all, if I was just making it up in my head. Um, some people have what I would just call a critical spirit on them. It is a thing that I believe is from the enemy of God, and it is powerful and it's detrimental. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 says, it's better to be criticized by a wise person than to be praised by a fool. I'm bringing this up because not all criticism is bad. And I've met a lot of people recently who 
are filing all criticism into the bad bucket. That any critical thing, anything that you say that I'm receiving as critical of what I want to do, they're putting it in the bad category immediately, and that is also super dangerous. It's better to be criticized by a wise person than to be praised by a fool. I've had a lot of conversations recently with people who I've come to find out that really what they're waiting on, they're just looking for the next right person to talk to who will agree with them, who will say that the stuff that they're doing is all right, that it's all good. They're just looking for the... And if anyone says anything critical about maybe what they're doing in their life or uh, some plans that they have or, you know, whatever it is, who they're dating, where they're going to school, where, where they want to move to, anything critical, and they just go, eh, next. Put that, I'm just waiting for the next person who tells me what I want to hear. If you're, if you're in that category right now, and it's really hard to look in the mirror and admit that kind of stuff, um, but you are falling into the um, being praised by fools category. When you're praised by people, um, or when you give praise, like if you compliment people on things, if you praise people about things and, and say, man, good job on that such and such, way to go. Your praise often reveals the thing that you value most. And so um, you'll meet different people who say, like they'll always notice if I have new shoes or different clothes. Like, ooh, I like your, I like your new pants. And like it's always fashion related stuff. And so I know that they, they value like fashion type things a lot. But I have certain friends who say, man, I just love the way you are with your kids. You're a really good dad. I want my kids to be more like your kids. And they're revealing something in that praise that is, is most valuable to them. On the same um, avenue, the criticism that you give to people uh, often reveals your deepest insecurities. And so the thing that you are critical about, not always, but a lot of times it's revealing some of your deepest insecurities. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, how can you think of saying, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? I'm certain there are many of you in this room who have someone in your life or multiple people who constantly criticize you. Um, I want to just spend the last few minutes that we have talking about what I believe is um, a way for you to actively engage with that, um, wrong responses to that, and right responses. Um, I'm overly critical, and I'm overly critical of my kids and the, the people that I love. I don't, I don't criticize people I don't love because I just don't care that much. 
and so it's not really worth my criticism. But for whatever reason, the people that we love the most, if you have this issue, you're going to be overly critical of a lot of them. Here are some, some right and wrong responses on how to fight someone like me. The wrong responses would be um, fight or flight. <laughs> um, just, hey, you're always criticizing everything I say. That doesn't, that doesn't ever usually work, does it? You don't like anything I like. I've just noticed it doesn't really work. Or flight, just running away from it. Um, getting away from that person. That person might be tremendously valuable in your life. And I would say don't run away from them right away. Here are some right responses on how to deal with an extra grace required overly critical person. There are, uh, I think, three different things, three different ways that you have to come at this, depending on the person. Um, you need to either listen, you need to answer, or you need to dismiss. Sometimes you need to listen to the criticism. The times that you listen to whatever is being criticized are when you can say, okay, is this person's motive to help me and not hurt me? Are they trying to help me or are they trying to just hurt my feelings? Are they really trying to help me and make me better? If so, listen to that person and when the person can help. A lot of times somebody will criticize you about something that they're not willing to help you with at all. That's a bad sign. Proverbs chapter 15 says, if you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. If you reject criticism, you only harm yourself. The second way that you can respond to an extra grace required critical person, answer them. So they've criticized something that you're doing or saying or being or hoping to do, wait until they're done and then figure out if there's a response that you need to give. Are they missing information that might change their perception? Are they not understanding the whole thing? Or is that person open to changing their idea? Sometimes the way to reach them is to answer their criticism directly. In the book Judges, it says in chapter 8, the Ephraimites asked Gideon, why have you treated us like this? And they criticized him sharply. And it says, but he answered them. And what he goes on to do is he just lists out the different ways or the different reasons why he treated them a certain way. And they said, oh, no, yeah, we get it. <laughs> you were right. The third way that you have to respond to an overly critical person sometimes is to dismiss what they have said. Sometimes you have to dismiss it. Maybe that person is known for being overly critical all the time. Negative Nancy all the time. No offense against Nancys. Nice Nancys, too. Those are out there. But if the person's known for being overly critical, or if 
that person is emotionally unhealthy or what I like to try to figure out is, uh, are, are they criticizing me from a wounded place? You know, you don't want to mess with wounded animals because you don't know what they're going to do. They get mean. They get scared. And they react in hard-to-figure-out ways. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus replies, Every plant that is not planted by my heavenly Father will be rooted up. So ignore them. Like, any, anything that's popping up, if God didn't plant that thing, it's going to be rooted up. And so you just go ahead and ignore it. You don't fixate on it. I know it's hard to not um, want to kill all the dandelions. But he says, so ignore them. They're blind guides that are leading the blind. They will both fall into a ditch. Sometimes you dismiss the critical person or the criticism. And the, I mean... The last thing, I don't really even know how to close this. The, the most important thing, if you're falling into the trap of um, trying to please people, uh, you, can't, you can't please people all the way. But you can please God all the way. You can please him completely and fully to where he would look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 says, For we speak as messengers who have been approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. Let's pray. Lord, I trust that this, um, this quick little message today could possibly uh, make a drastic change in someone's life if they're surrounded by extra grace required people that you would give them just that that knowing in their mind that we are able to offer grace to someone who drives us crazy because you offered grace to us because you forgave us, because you gave us second and third and fourth and 70th chances. And so if you did it for us, we can do it for them. I pray that you would give us uh, the ability to be good Christians, God, that we wouldn't just write people off. We wouldn't um, run the other way. We wouldn't shake our heads. We wouldn't talk badly about that we would just be the kind of people who give extra grace whenever it's required for anyone in this room who has critical people in their life who have uh, maybe stolen some of their dreams from them or um, continued to chip away at the good things that you have for them I just pray that they are able to be strong and courageous and that they would respond, that they would know when to listen to the criticism, when to answer the criticism, and when to dismiss it. If we're the critical people, God, that you would give us 
a new understanding of what it means to love one another, to encourage one another, to lift one another up, to praise one another, to sing songs over one another. Let us be helpful. Let us be encouraging. We ask that you take away any critical spirit that is holding on to us. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you. I will see you all soon. Thank you. Have a good week. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.